Hello and welcome to the Chip and Gary Tennis Show again. We're here with Jim Bayless and Jim, just to catch up on Jim, Jim was a junior player in Houston who became a Texas Longhorn tennis player like myself and then became probably the most fascinating guy in tennis and politics, the combination of both. And Jim's been recounting a little bit of his life in tennis and and related also to his, his job as an attorney and and staffer, five-year government service in, in D.C. And Jim, glad to have you again. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the Reagan years when you caught on and what was happening at that time in America. Sure. Good morning, Gary. Morning. Thanks for having me back. Okay, um, having left off in our previous discussion uh, as to the you know the prelude of the nineteen eighty presidential election, um, what people forget is what a pivotal moment that was. You know, an inflection point in modern American history um, that ended up triggering. 12 years of Republican White House control, two terms under President Reagan, followed by one term under President George H.W. Bush. And of course, from my completely biased uh, perspective, that was that 12 year period was will go down as the high water mark in modern American history for a great number of reasons. But uh, let's go back to uh, President Reagan's inauguration. At that moment, in January of 81, I was still working in the Senate as legislative counsel to a Republican senator from Texas by the name of John Tower. Uh, Reagan's coattails were so strong that he accomplished what was completely unimaginable, uh, whereby the Republicans regained control of the U.S. Senate uh, for the first time since 1954. So that was a you know, 26-year uh, run of uh, thoroughly uh, democratic control of all three branches of government, for the most part, uh, excepting Nixon, of course, uh, in the late 60s, early 70s. But in any case, um, Reagan's inauguration was something to behold. Uh, there was an influx of uh, very, very talented people to populate the policy-making positions uh, in the Reagan administration uh, came coming from all over the country. A lot of Californians, uh, you know, a lot of Texans, uh, and this was uh, something that I was focused on uh, professionally as well because in 1981, uh, there were three of us who worked for Senator Tower who really lucked out because we were invited to join uh, President Reagan's White House staff. Um, I joined in uh, the summer of 81 in the Office of Presidential Personnel, which is the office within the White House structure that's responsible for the identification and recruitment of people to, po to populate uh, the political positions, that is to say, uh, sub-cabinet uh, positions, as opposed to uh, the vast majority of the executive branch personnel, uh, all of whom are civil service, and so that's not political. Um, but it's just a, a very, very scant uh, number uh, and a very, very small fraction of <laughs> the total people uh, who uh, actually are under 
uh, any president's uh, political uh, control. People serve at the serve at the pleasure of the president, so they can be fired at any moment. In any case, um, upon his inauguration, one interesting uh, story: there were a great number of um, of President Reagan's uh, friends who uh, attended the inaugural festivities in January, just prior and following the inauguration, uh, including a lot of uh, Hollywood stars, uh, Jimmy Stewart um, and others, Bob Hope. I remember vividly attending uh, an an inaugural gala uh, affair the night before the inauguration, the night of January 19th, 1981. And uh, among his many uh, friends from Hollywood, uh, on the stage uh, included, well, of course, you know, Frank Sinatra and Jimmy Stewart, as I mentioned, but also General Omar N. Bradley, the oh, wow. only five-star general at the time. Um, and he, he wheeled himself out in a wheelchair and snapped a very crisp salute to his commander-in-chief and friend, Ronald Reagan. Reagan pivoted and returned the crisp salute to General Bradley. It is a an image that I will never forget. Wow. General, General Bradley uh, died about six weeks later. Although, uh, remarkably, uh, after I was in uh, the White House staff, I befriended a very unlikely uh, person in the form of Kitty Bradley, General Bradley's widow, who... President Reagan had appointed to the American Battle Monuments Commission, which is a very small uh, agency that oversees all of the U.S. military cemeteries uh, throughout the world. Because, uh, after all, uh, there are there have been American servicemen who have lost their lives um, in the field of battle um, or otherwise in various uh, you know, theaters of conflict throughout the world, and their bodies. Uh, may or may not have been repatriated to the United States for burial. So, of course, most uh, prominent of all the American cemeteries around the world, military cemeteries, is that at Normandy. Uh, Everybody knows about the American uh, cemetery at Normandy in France, which uh, I've seen, uh, I've visited, and I'm telling you, every American citizen owes it to himself to visit that cemetery. But in any case, Kitty Bradley uh, and I befriended each other in that context, and uh, we had a very warm relationship for uh, a number of years until she perished in 2004 and is buried next to her husband at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, Kitty Bradley was uh, uh, just a, a little bitty uh, lady who in her own right was quite a celebrity in Hollywood, so much so that General Bradley, even though he was uh, larger than life, he was a terribly modest human being, very self-deprecating, and he was in awe of all the Hollywood stars who would uh, be in their living room virtually every evening for cocktails. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, Ronald Reagan, uh, you know, Sophia Loren, uh, and, you know, Frank Sinatra, and, you know, just a whole host of uh, celebrities. And they yeah. were all buddies. And, oh. and uh, Kitty uh, was, would come to Washington from time to time 
and she would invite me. She'd let me know when she was coming, and she said, "Join me for a drink at uh, at the uh, in the officers club at." Uh, you know, Fort Myer, which is adjacent to Arctic National Cemetery in Northern Virginia. And so I'd go over there and uh, have a big time with little bitty Kitty Bradley, who was no bigger than a minute. Uh, and she'd be uh, playfully ordering around generals to, uh, you know, have them, you know, freshen her drink. And she invited us out to um, Los Angeles to the Army Ball, a black tie affair, uh, you know, a couple of years later. And so she was uh, a remarkable lady and Kitty and General Bradley would be, uh, she would tell me stories about General Bradley that are just simply unforgettable. Let, yeah, let the let the listeners know a little bit about, who may not know about who General Omar Bradley is. Well, General Bradley was, was uh, one of the primary architects of Operation Overlord, the invasion of Normandy, on June the 6th, That's interesting, and so from from there the the PPO, uh, you you had a quote in your book from Taft, I believe it was, and it had to do with hiring hiring people for certain positions, didn't it? Yes. Enlightening. Okay, so again. so as you can imagine, the office, the people who populate the office of presidential personnel, as it's called, PPO. Um, you know, our our popularity uh, soared because. We were the gatekeepers on uh, basically uh, extending uh, job offers uh, and pretty prestigious job offers uh, included in that batch of those jobs that were under the political control of the President of the United States. And uh, uh, there there were a lot of funny stories about uh, that particular office and the prerogative, the double-edged sword that a president has in appointing uh, his administration. Uh, and General, excuse me, President uh, Howard, William Howard Taft um, has a, a very apt uh, line to his credit. And he said that, that uh, you know, very much, very much was a mixed blessing. He said that for every 10 people he considered for a given position, uh, he, he, uh, he made nine enemies and met one ingrate, 
and the integrate was the, the very person he had selected <laughs> to fill up his particular position because that person wanted to know you know what the hell took him so long. That's right. That's <laughs> what it was. So you 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 had that you had that great job. I bet there were a hundred thousand people looking for each position. Oh boy, my phone was ringing off the hook. And, of course, that was the only means of communication back then. It was just eons before email and what have you. Um, so uh, the flip side is, is as soon as I left that uh, position in the White House, um, 